You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you, Humvee. And as Humvee said, uh, in recent weeks, we've been in this series called 21 Days of Prayer in which we've been seeking to make it our attitude to pray first in every facet of our lives. Whatever's going on, we want to pray first about it. We've also been doing a 21-day fast. Some people have been going uh, without social media or internet or Netflix. Others have been going out with food items, uh, going without meat or, uh, you know, sodas or coffee and all types of things like that so that we can focus in on the Lord. Remember, Jesus told us that when we fast, we uh, want to wash our face and comb our hair and look good. And, you know, as I look out at you guys, uh, you look pretty hot today, some of you. I'm not going to lie. And so would you turn to someone next to you and tell them, you look unusually hot today. Are you fasting by any chance? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Someone just avoided, needed to go to re-engage. You're going to be able to fix your marriage right here just by talking about fasting in church. But, uh, you know, this week, um, I want to handle a facet of prayer that can sometimes be odd to some people in the spiritual warfare praying, and it will help us overcome boredom in our prayer. Have you ever felt bored in your prayers? It's like you're praying, and uh, you just feel bored with it, but I want to move you from boredom to spiritual battle today, uh, because we've got to see that our prayers isn't just uh, talking little words, but it's actually a spiritual battle. And I came across a quote from a great Methodist minister named Samuel Chadwick, and he said, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. And today, I want to show you how to make the devil tremble through your prayers. And that's our aim, our goal today, is to make the devil tremble through our prayers. Now, I like to go snorkeling and fishing sometimes, and uh, some of my friends and I often go out to these hill country, spring-fed rivers, and we'll snorkel through, and we'll fish and that. And uh, there, there was one trip we were on some years ago uh, when there was this snake eating the fish in our little fishing hole there, right? And we didn't like that. And you know when you get a bunch of guys together, they start saying, dude, and dude this, dude that, whatever, right? And you know what's going to happen. We go in after the snake. We put our snorkels on. Uh, we've got these spears in our hands. And so I remember swimming down to the bottom of the river, and I saw that big that snake down there on the bottom of the river. So I swam down there. Uh, my friend was kind of behind me there, and I, I was going to spear this snake. I was going to get him right, you know, behind the head on the neck. And once when I was about to put my spear down there and get him, uh, the current took me just a little bit, and I missed and when my spear went down, it hit the bottom right next to its head, and the snake's head turned around, and it starts coming at me, right? And I'm like, oh, no. The water level rose just a little bit. And uh, so I, I start swimming backwards, right? I'm like, what the heck's going on here? And I had a, this thought, immediate thought was, today's the day. Today's the day that Doug Robbins is bitten by a snake. This is the day. I could die from this, you know. He's going to bite me. He's going to kill me. And I had another thought. I'm not going down without a fight, right? If he kills me, he's going to get a couple of holes in him. So I'm swimming backwards, and I'm jabbing at him when I'm swimming backwards, right? And I guess the snake just figures I was more hassle than what I was worth. And so the snake went, he went down on the bottom again, and we got out of the water, and we were kind of breathing heavy, you know, heart is pumping, you know, and we were kind of licking our wounds from having been defeated by this snake. 
Um, and so then, you know what happened, right? Guys were like, dude, this, dude, that, dude. We're going back in. Okay, we're going back for him. And the second time, I didn't miss, okay? I, I, I didn't miss, and I brought a little picture uh, today of, of not missing, right? And so here's the reason I told you that story, is that um, that was probably a goofy, silly thing to do, right, for a bunch of guys to go in after a snake and everything like that. But um, that's silliness. But there are real things going on in your lives where your fish are being stolen, and you're going to have to go back in after him. And you're going to have to face these things and make the devil tremble through your prayers to take back those fish that the enemy is seeking to steal in your lives. And some of you have been fasting with us in this 21 days of fasting. And by the way, we're going to break it today. It's going to be a glorious day after church. And I said, ah. Uh, so anyways, I cannot wait till after church today. Um, I'm thinking about, anyway, uh, I won't go off on my meat fantasies that I'm having right so um but some of you have been fasting for 21 days and you're like uh hey man you know why is everything going wrong well the enemy remember doesn't want you to go to the next level in your spiritual life with God and your connection with Jesus they want to stop you and so it's no coincidence that things start going wrong in the midst of your fast see you're in a spiritual battle you're under attack. Now, you got to understand, we're not those extremists that think the devil does everything, right? Like, uh, some people are like, I ran out of gas. They, it, it's like the devil went and siphoned the gas right out of their tank. Well, that, that's not what happened, right? Most of the time, we just forgot to put gas in the tank. Um, so we're not saying of the very real spiritual war that's taking place in our lives. They are stealing from us and robbing us blind. Now, some of you have struggles that you're trying to get free from, destructive habits. Uh, some of you wonder why you feel bound to certain behaviors in your life. And could it be that it's because of spiritual realities and you can, through your prayers, make these snakes tremble, make the devil uh, tremble? And another thing you got to understand is that you're not, your fight is not with your mom, right? Some of you are feuding with your mom right now. Your, your fight is not with your dad. Uh, your, your fight is not with your boss, your supervisor at work that you don't like. Uh, your, your, your fight is not with your rude neighbor. Your fight's not with Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or CNN or Fox News. Look who your fight is against in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Put on as your helmet, uh, put on as your helmet and take the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all the believers everywhere. Now, last week, we talked a little bit about what it means to pray in the Spirit. And today, as Humby said, I want to de-spookify spiritual warfare praying as you pray in the Spirit against the demonic forces in the world. You don't have to be afraid of this. Just because you pray spiritual warfare prayers over yourself or over someone that you're trying to help doesn't mean that someone is always going to, like, manifest Darth Vader or Kanye West on a rant, right? Okay, uh, that's not always going to happen. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, but the next time you experience evil, you don't have to call me because today you're empowered 
to deal with dark spiritual forces in the world. The Bible teaches me that my role is to build up and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so next time you have a night terror, next time someone sees a demon around your property, next time something weird happens like that, you don't have to call me. You know why? You're empowered uh, to deal with it. And I want to show you today a template for spiritual warfare prayers that I learned from a guy named Andy Reese in his book, Freedom Tools. And inside Freedom Tools, he goes into this in way more detail than what I'm going to have time to do today, but he gives this acrostic that you can pray through every time there's some type of a spiritual uh, warfare situation, and it's called We Said, uh, We Said. Would you say We Said with me when I point to you? You ready? Here we go. We Said. That was pretty good. You don't even have to say it again. You did it right the first time. But what it is, is, is this acrostic, and the W in We Said stands for wounding. So what you're praying against are wounds that are in your life or in the lives of people that you're helping. And these wounds can be severe or they can be minor, but do not underestimate uh, how significant a minor wound is and what it can do, how it can destroy your life or the lives of people that you love and that you care about. Now the E in we said stands for entanglement. Entanglement uh, oftentimes is words spoken that entangle us spiritually or emotionally. These entanglements can be things like unwise vows. Um, unwise vows are, are things like this. Have you ever said, um, I'll never be like my dad? Or I'll never be like my mom. And then you grow up and you do stuff just like them, right? And you're like, blast it. Okay, why did I make that vow? Um, then another one would be like a curse. A curse doesn't have to be some weird hocus-pocus, spooky thing, but oftentimes a curse is just simply when someone says something like, you're worthless, or you're ugly, or you're stupid, and those root in us and can cause uh, havoc in our lives later on. Um, oftentimes, these curses come and are passed down through families, and so we see in Exodus 20 uh, that people who disobey God, the consequences of those actions can go back, uh, go down to the third and fourth generation, right? That's why People today are so fascinated and are uh, sending in online for all these uh, DNA tests, right? Because I think we all know intuitively that there is a connection between our present reality and our past family members. There, we are connected to previous generations. But the good news is, is that the Bible teaches us also in Exodus 20 that we can break those generational cycles in our generation. And the Bible tells us that uh, he lavishes his love on thousands of generations of those that love him. Now, let's look at the next part of we said. The S in we said stands for sin. Now, some of you know the prodigal son. He's a character in the Bible who sinned. He went off and lived wild, and he was partying and substance abuse and sleeping with prostitutes and all this kind of stuff. But the Bible tells us that he came to his senses about his sin. And what you got to understand is, is that it's a gift from God when you come to your senses about sin. Uh, I've often had wives try and bring their husbands into me so I'd fix them, right? Um, if the husband's involved in some kind of behavior that uh, the wife doesn't like, and I've had uh, husbands bring in their wife to try and get me to fix them, but uh, it doesn't help if, if they've not come, uh, become aware of their sin, if they've not awakened to their sin. I, I've had many parents bring teenagers in. You're, you know, you, you always got these wayward teenagers that are uh, going crazy and everything. The parents will bring them in to me and say, fix them. Well, I can't because um, it doesn't matter if they go to the best counselor in the world. Uh, even God won't always help them unless someone has come to an awareness of their sin and 
uh, wake up to it. But look at the U in we said, and that stands for ungodly beliefs. Ungodly beliefs are mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look with me at verse 3, either on screen or on your phone app Bible. Uh, Paul says, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, and look at what you're going to knock down with these weapons. Knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts. See, it's ungodly thoughts. Uh, that are happening here, and we teach them to obey Christ. So we have these ungodly thoughts that are often there uh, in a spiritual warfare situation. We have these wrong beliefs about God and, and the relationships, <clears throat> excuse me, of the people that we have in our lives. We have ungodly thoughts about people and God. Um, now, I read this book some time back um, called Boundaries. Now, all the Boundaries books are great, and I like the one, Boundaries for Leaders, by Henry Cloud. And he's literally counseled with, talked with hundreds if not thousands of people about spiritual warfare issues and about ungodly thoughts. And he says to take a piece of paper one day and write down every negative thought that you have about yourself in a given day. Have you ever done that? Have you ever thought about that? You ever thought about your regular day and routine that you walk through and all the negativity that comes into your mind about who you are as a person? Well, Cloud says... Journal, write down every negative, evil thought that you have about yourself and combat it with the truth. And furthermore, he says 99% uh, of what's in your head is false. So we're kind of like uh, elephants when those elephant trainers will chain an elephant's leg to something that the elephant can't move. And then they can chain the elephant to anything and the elephant won't move, right? And you and I have gotten programmed in our minds to think in these wrong ways that are ungodly ways that keep us bound and chained up when we really don't have to be. Now, what's going to happen is the enemy tries to twist the words of your boss at work and twist the words of your employees or kids or maybe longtime friends of yours or your parents, and um, your mind will start to race when these things happen. So let's say your supervisor at work, she says, I'm gonna, I need you to come into my office and talk to me for a minute. Well, what happens? Well, your mind starts racing. Well, I know she doesn't like me. I know she doesn't like my hair. She doesn't like what I wear. Um, she's going to call me in there, and she doesn't like me. She, she's, it's something petty. I know it is. She's a petty person. She's going to call me in there, and I bet she likes, she's going she's to fire me. I know she's, she's going to fire me, and she's going to call in those human resources people, and they're going to have that box, you know, where I have to put all my belongings that are at my desk and take it outside. She's going to kick me out of the She's going to have security escort me out of the building. And once I get out there, I know she's an evil woman. I've looked into her eyes, and it's pure evil there. When I get outside, after I've been fired, she's going to kill me. She's going ki- to punch me in the face, and then she's going to tase me, and while I'm unconscious, she's going to kill me. And she's going to throw my body in a dumpster. You see how our minds go just on and on and on we go. Or let's say you're the supervisor at work. And one of your employers or team members, they uh, question you in front of the rest of the team or they disagree with you. And your mind starts racing. Well, none of them like me. They all hate me. I'm trying to be a good boss, but they all just make fun of me. They compare me to Michael Scott on The Office. I mean, they just, they're, they're, they're just talking about me all the time. I know they, they're going to form a coup. They're going to go over my head and go to my supervisor and try to get me fired. I may as well quit. 
I'm just going to leave the building out. You see how far our minds go? They start racing, and the enemy shoots these thoughts into our mind and exacerbates these thoughts that we have uh, in our mind, and we don't have to live like that. And we that have been formative relationships that God is going to operate like human beings. And some of you think that God is sitting there with a celestial hammer up in the heavenly realms ready to smack you and squish you like a bug on the windshield uh, the first time you do something wrong. And that is not God's heart for you. And so look at the D in said. That stands for demonic issues, and this happens uh, many times when uh, we do warfare prayers. We want to find the reason for the demonic presence there. We want to remove those reasons. We want to take authority over the demonic spirits, and then we want to replace what was there with the Holy Spirit's peace and love and truth and blessing into people's lives. Now, as I prayed about this message, you know, we've been in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I'm just praying, God... What would you like, what are the areas that you would like we said in the lives of our people? I mean, God, you know I love our people. You know I want to see them set free. But what are the areas of their lives that need to be handled and prayed through with spiritual warfare prayers? And the uh, four things came to my mind. The first one is the anger spirit. Do you ever get angry? Do you ever like turn red? You're so frustrated and furious and uh, you, you start to lose control and you ever say or do things that you regret and it's like, man, I wish I wouldn't have gotten so angry because my anger really made me say some stuff to people that I just can't take back and uh, I physically hurt someone and I, I just feel so bad about that. Or maybe you have anger fantasies, right? You think, I'm going to go into work and that supervisor, I know he's evil and I'm, I'm going to punch the dude in the face, man. I just hate that dude. I'm going to punch him in the face. Or maybe you even thought about, it's like, you know what? I watched that show, How to Get Away with Murder. I'm going to kill that dude, man. I'm going to kill him. I'll get away with it. No one will ever know, right? Um, so they could be an anger problem, right? And the devil is given power by that in your life. Now, the devil has, we know from the Bible that the devil has power in the world. But he only has the power in our lives that we hand to him. And I want to show you this, how it's related to anger. Look at Ephesians 4, 26. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives the devil a foothold to who? The devil, right? And so what I want to do is I want us through our prayers now to make the devil tremble. And I'm going to ask all of you to pray this we said prayer with me, and I'm going to ask everyone to, to read the prayer loudly and boldly, out loud as I lead you. And the reason I want to explain why I want you all to do it with me is because we're going to eradicate shame here today. And some of you are ashamed in these different areas that we're going to pray through. And even if you don't deal with anger, even if you don't consider yourself to be an angry person, I want you to pray this out loud because what you're doing there is you're removing shame from someone else next to you and you're encouraging them to uh, pray this prayer and eradicate uh, the anger spirit in their lives. So you guys ready to pray this with me loudly and boldly, out loud as I lead? Here we go. Jesus, please heal the wound that makes me angry. Holy Spirit, reveal how I got entangled in anger. Father, I confess my anger is sin. I choose to change. God, I acknowledge ungodly beliefs. I'm not a hothead. I'm at peace. In the name of Jesus, I cast out the demon of anger. I'm free because of the cross of Christ. If you guys wouldn't mind, I just want to say a brief little prayer over you real quick. Lord, I thank you for our people. I thank you for those that the enemy has convinced them they're a hothead, but they are not. 
And I pray now that they've just prayed and you've just released them. And I pray that they would receive their freedom from that and that they would live at peace from here on. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, another issue that came to my mind in my personal prayer time was the lust spirit. The lust spirit. Now, we learn a lot about how the lust spirit works in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And if you look with me at Proverbs 7, 8. It says if this young man who was getting caught up by the lust spirit, he says he was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the what? Path of her house. And so there is a path. You can get on a path of the lust spirit. So when men, you're sitting there at night, and you convince yourself that you need to check your email because it's for work after all, but really you really didn't want to check up on work email because really you didn't want to work, but you just knew that you would be one click away from shame and images, or ladies, perhaps for you, you're sitting there and you're just uh, gazing at the Facebook profile and pictures of an old boyfriend thinking about what used to be and what could be if the two of you would just connect again in person. It works different with different people, but look at what the lust spirit does next in Proverbs 7, 13. It says, she threw her arms around him and kissed him, and with a brazen look, she said, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. And what I want you to see from that is that the lust spirit can be religious. This woman was making religious peace offerings and uh, spiritual vows before God, yet she was the one luring this young man into an adulterous relationship here. It happens with church people. It happens with Christian people. I'm telling you, years ago, I was standing up giving talks and teachings and sermons, yet was struggling with this lust issue in private until God set me free from it. And I have talked to literally hundreds of men and women both who have dealt with the lust spirit in their own lives. And so what you gotta understand is that you've gotta come awake to it. And look, look, that Sancha feels like your soulmate. She is not, okay? It is a mirage. It is a lie. It's not true. The enemy has got you to thinking that this, this other person or this image on a screen is true love, and it is, it is a lie. Wake up. Wake up, because look what happens next in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 22. Um, like an ox to the slaughter, he was like a stag caught in a trap awaiting the arrow that would pierce his heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. And lust causes death in your life. It's already caused death in many of our lives. It causes the death of friendships because that other woman was a perfectly appropriate friend until you guys crossed the line. And that will never again be the friendship that it once was. It causes the death of your own self-respect. It causes the death of your own inner peace and just brings shame on your life like a wet blanket. It can cause the death of your finances or the death of your career. Worse than that, it can cause the death of your marriage and it can cause the death of the relationship that you now have with your children because they will no longer respect you. It can cause the death of your health if you contract a sexually t transmitted disease. And yes, it can even take your 
very own life, like it did one pastor who was exposed from watching and looking at the Ashley Madison website for prostitution, and he couldn't take the guilt and shame, and he went out and killed himself and disappointed his whole family, his congregation, and the seminary students where he taught in a seminary. Um, but So before it causes any more death in our lives, let's make the devil tremble as we pray, shall we? And so if you would read this loudly and boldly, pray it out loud with me as I lead you. Here we go. Jesus, please heal the wound that makes me lust. Holy Spirit, reveal how I got entangled in lust. Father, I confess my lust as sin. I choose to change. God, I acknowledge my ungodly beliefs. I'm not a pervert. I'm pure. In the name of Jesus, I cast out the demon of lust. I'm free because of the cross of Christ. If you wouldn't mind, I wanna pray this prayer over you. Lord, I thank you for our people. And I thank you that many just prayed that out loud despite the shame and the guilt that's in their life. And I know that they wanna be free of it. And right now, today is the day. And I thank you for their faith in speaking these words out loud, the truth of your word. May that land on and be lived out by our good people in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here's the third thing that came to my mind as I was in that prayer session, and that is abuse and self-hatred, the abuse and self-hatred spirit. And what it does, it attaches to us and makes us feel rejected. It makes us feel unclean and unworthy. And sometimes it, it comes as a result of major events in our lives. Uh, a, a large number of you guys, I know, have gone through physical and sexual abuse. And then it also comes, the self-hatred spirit can come when you, you're just dealing with minor idiosyncrasies and problems in your life or, or parts of your appearance that you don't like. So like I remember for me when I was like a high school student and college student, I didn't like the way I looked, right? I mean, my legs were skinny and bowed and my college roommate called and said, I have parenthesis legs, you know? And then, you know, my friends would tease me and they're like, man, your eyebrows, you rub Rogaine on those eyebrows? I mean, they're big, they're bushy and everything. And I didn't like all that. And I know these sound like kind of small things, but you know, if you look at yourself and you're like, well, I don't like those love handles and you know, I don't like this and that, you know, you get older guys and it's like ear hair, you know, some of you like Chewbacca on your back, you know, so it's just like, these little things we don't like, right? But if we let those things take root, it can lead to uh, the self-hatred spirit, you know, and another thing I've noticed a lot of times is that a lot of people have uh, committed a sin years ago and asked for God's forgiveness, but somehow have not been healed, and we want to keep punishing ourselves for what we did those many years ago, right? We want to punish ourselves, and we hate ourselves. Uh, it makes us feel better when we hate on ourselves, as if that's going to atone for the sin that we committed years ago when God's already forgiven it. But here's how the uh, self-hatred spirit can manifest in some people. In some people, it manifests through them being a, br uh, a bully, have you ever known a bully that just brags all the time and is always making threats on people? Uh, well, a lot of times the reason they're bullies is because they have a self-hatred spirit. Also, also, it happens for those that are always comparing themselves to other people. Have you ever known someone that compares everything? It's like you get a new car, they start comparing it with their car. You get a new girlfriend, they start comparing with your girl, his girlfriend, right? You go to a church, you know, you go to a new church or whatever, you're coming here, they start comparing it to their church. Well, our church is better because the X, Y, and Z, right? Well, well that's oftentimes a self-hatred spirit. They, they don't feel good about themselves, and so they have to convince themselves that they're okay. It also happens with those who are very com overly competitive, um, and it manifests sometimes through false humility. So have you ever met that person that's 
trying to convince everybody how humble they are. They're like, oh, I suck so bad. I'm the worst, right? They're always cutting themselves down to convince you that they're a humble person when really it's a false humility associated with uh, a self-hatred spirit. Um, And then sometimes when people are excessively talkative, they can't stand any quiet. They always have to fill in the gaps with words, and you're just like, uh, honey, shut up, man. You know, she's like, she's like um, you talking way too much. Um, well, oftentimes that's associated with the self-hatred uh, spirit. And what it can lead to are eating disorders, self-mutilation, uh, cutting, and even suicide. Now, some years ago, I counseled with a woman who had been constantly uh, physically and sexually abused And she was dealing with the self-hatred spirit. She was dealing with the demonic. And at the same time, she was dealing with what's called MPD or multiple personality uh, disorder. And it went back to her childhood when uh, she was regularly abused in just awful ways. I won't ruin your day by telling you about all of that. Um, But when she was little, her parents and other adults would regularly tell her, you're just a worthless piece of trash. You're a worthless piece of trash. She heard that growing up. Uh, over and over and over again. And by the time she was 16 years old, if you asked her, uh, who are you? She'd say, I'm just a worthless piece of trash. And here's how it manifests in her life. She would burn herself, and she would also allow others to abuse and hurt her. In fact, if she wasn't being abused and hurt, she would go get someone to do it. She would uh, intentionally expose herself to physical abuse. And if she had burned herself, the, the self-hatred would go away just for a short time. Or she'd get beat up or get abused or hurt by someone, taken advantage of, the, the, the pain would go away just for a little bit. But it always came back worse and worse and worse. And it, at its pinnacle, she attempted suicide. She tried to kill herself because in her mind, she's just thinking, you know what? The last thing that this world needs is just another worthless piece of trash. And she wanted to take her own life until she came to get help And she's just, uh, over time, she started replacing the lie with the truth. She exchanged the lie of, I'm a worthless piece of trash, for the truth that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And in her words, not mine, when I made that exchange, the the lie for the truth, then the demon of self-hatred had to leave. And there's been no more burning herself, no more uh, self-harm in any way, and the suicidal tendencies are completely gone. So whether you've suffered from major self-hatred like the woman I just described or minor issues of self-hatred, there's just something about yourself you don't like, will you do this with me? Let's pray and let's make the devil tremble with these prayers. Here we go. Pray it loudly uh, and boldly as we read together. Jesus, please heal the wound that makes me help my, hate myself. Holy Spirit, reveal how I got entangled in self-hatred. Father, I confess self-hatred is sin. I choose to change. God, I acknowledge my ungodly beliefs. The abuse was not my fault. I'm not trash. I'm treasure. In the name of Jesus, I cast you out, the demon of self-hatred. I'm free because of the cross of Christ. Would you guys let me say a brief little prayer over you right quick? Lord, I thank you for the treasures of people that you've brought here. And some are hurting so much today because of pain and ways that they've been hurt and abused. And in Jesus' name, I'm praying off that um, spirit of self-hatred. And you've just heard their prayers of faith just now. 
and I pray that you fill them with the Holy Spirit and with peace right now in Jesus' name, amen. Now, the last issue that God brought to mind in my prayer time was that of the, the spirit of unbelief, unbelief. Now, that's referenced in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 4. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And what I want you to do as I teach through this section is I want you to think about, just for a moment, in your mind, someone that you know that does not believe. Someone that just, for whatever reason, they can't choose to believe in Christ. And maybe for you, that's, that's you. Maybe you're the person that can't believe, and I want you to just think of yourself if that's the case. And there's a myriad of reasons why people aren't able to believe. And back in December, that's why we went through a series called Think About It. And we spent many weeks just working through, thinking through what we believe and why. And if you want to go back and check out those podcasts, we dealt with issues like the logical reasons why we can believe that God exists. We also looked at uh, why God would allow suffering. If God is so good, why does he allow suffering in the world? And we also taught through why we can trust the reliability and historicity of these New Testament documents that we read uh, here in the Bible. Yet all the logic and study in the world will not convince anyone who's dealing with uh, this spirit of unbelief. It is a spiritual issue. It is not just an intellectual issue at this point. Now, over the past series, I've learned a lot and been studying a lot and listened to a pastor named Chris Hodges on this issue of prayer and all of this. And one of the things that he did uh, uh, when he was uh, some years ago learning about this stuff as he went down to Bogota, Colombia. And when he went down to Colombia, he wanted to learn from this church that this is the church, a huge church, like 120,000 people go to this church in Bogota. And so Chris went down there to learn from this pastor and he had an appointment with this pastor and he's asking them uh, about their small groups or their tribes or their they're groups that they gather in to grow spiritually, right? I mean, you, you guys know that we're kind of uh, organized in tribes to help people grow spiritually, and we have all these groups and classes and all this. And so Chris wanted to know uh, how they were doing their tribes in order to grow their church and make it successful. And he's asking all these questions like, hey, well, you know, when do you do your, your group meetings? And what do you cover? What subjects do you cover? And what time of the day works best? And what's the format of the groups? And you know what the pastor did like, in a way that only a Colombian can do? Like he animated and he pointed at Chris and he says, you don't get it. You're not even asking the right questions. And I can tell that you have not broken the power in the air. He said, the reason we're successful is not because of when we do our groups or any of these questions you're asking. The reason what we do works is because we pray. The reason that we had 100,000 students in our youth ministry fill a soccer stadium was because a group of students water fasted for 40 days and prayed down the spirits in the air that kept students in Bogota from believing. See, and the same is true here with us. We can deal with making our church services better, or we can deal with groups, or we can deal with the intellectual problems of faith and all of that, but it doesn't matter. We won't go to the next level in our own spirituality until we break the power in the air. We've got to learn as a church to pray, to 
make the devil tremble through our prayers. Look, as a church, we're having our theater renovated, we're adding a balcony, and we're trying to go to the next level as a church, but it won't happen unless we make the devil tremble through our prayers and regular fasting, see? So would you guys help me in praying this last prayer? And as you do, I want you to stand up with me. Let's stand and let's pray this prayer to make the devil tremble, okay? Here we go. Jesus, please heal the wounds that keep people in unbelief. Holy Spirit, reveal how San Antonio is entangled in unbelief. Father, we confess unbelief as sin. We pray for change. God, we acknowledge ungodly beliefs. Change our city. In the name of Jesus, we cast out the demons of unbelief. We're free because of the cross of Christ. Let me pray with you before we sing. God, we ask as a group, as a spiritual family and tribe, that you would fill San Antonio with the Holy Spirit and with peace. Be our warrior. Take down the evil powers in the spiritual realm that we cannot see with our eyes. Listen as we sing. Please be our warrior now, God. In Jesus' name, amen. See together, arise. Arise and save us from our enemies. Arise and take this burden far from me. Arise and save us from our enemies. Arise and take this burden far from me. Arise and save us from our enemies. Arise and take this burden far from me. Our God is warrior. He will always fight for me. My sin and deliverer. Now, as we continue in prayer, as we're praying, perhaps as we prayed that last prayer against the spirit of unbelief, it perhaps unleashed someone or opened someone's eyes to the truth. I can believe. For so many years, I thought I could never have a relationship with God. But now I know I really can. Well, you know, as we pray, there's no, no reason why you shouldn't just pray and tell God you're choosing to believe now that you want to be his child. It's simple to do just in your own heart and mind. Just say, hey, look, God, right now, the best I know how, the best I understand it, I am free to believe that Jesus died even for me. Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe it now. And God, I welcome you into my life to heal me, to change me, to make me new. Thank you for coming in and thank you for this newfound spiritual freedom I have in you. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. 
For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.